by his faith. We walk by faith. This is the test of the true follower of God, the God who will fill the earth with his glory. How do we wait for the Lord to fulfill the vision? We walk by faith. So what does that mean? Well, we walk, first of all, by the unseen truths that God has given us. Confident in the ultimate outcome. Like children, knowing that our good Father will keep his word. Don't doubt God that he is ultimately good or will ultimately fulfill his promises. He doesn't deserve that suspicion. He has been faithful every time. He has given everything he can give. He's given him his own person um, to us. So when that suspicion creeps up, and it does for every one of us in a situation where we'll just be like, what is God doing? We have to come back to this walking by faith with the Lord during that time of waiting for the vision to be fulfilled. Right now, we are truly watching the evangelical church capitulate to so much uh, that's out there um, wanting to look good. I mean, I think who brought it up today? We're just so intrigued by looking hip or intellectual or in. That's somehow more important, that surface thing. It's like selling our birthright for a pot of soup. We want that, which is a momentary pleasure instead of the deep power of the gospel that we have. We uh, hear this all the time because we're surrounded by students and we just hear what they're barraged with. The gay agenda has just gotten a hold of them. It's in the whole evangelical church too. And it's silencing those voices that are saying transformation is possible. It's doing twists and backflips with the word of God. It's bringing confusion and hesitation to anyone who wants to use the word of God for a solid ground. Then they discredit the word of God. You know, and this began a long time ago. This wasn't just all of a sudden on us. Um, And it began with the dissolution of the distinctive nature of gender and all of its beauties and gifts. But we're watching in time warp speed a a deception fall in our churches and especially in our young people. And during this time, you know, Stuart and I have really prayed, how do we respond? Um, And we realize that there's just such a fear, a fear that has beset Christians to speak the gospel. And we're succumbing to this spirit of fear because we're afraid of hurting others, I think. But I think this is what Jesus meant. This is the stone they're going to stumble on. This is, this is what you want to fall on before it falls on you. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God. To who? To those who believe. Faith. It's not the power of God for those who don't believe. And so when we have those people saying, it doesn't work for me, well, that's right, it doesn't. You have to come in openness and faith to God. Even that journey, that that journey of identity, is a walk by faith. (laughs) It's surrendering one's own desires and visions to a greater vision while living in confidence that God will come near. God will establish his kingdom, not only in the world, but in me. 
in my heart. We have to walk by faith in this season when we're not seeing the glory of the Lord necessarily in our spheres of influence. Um, but we need to believe that God can come there. And we have to trust that God is at work day and night as we walk by faith. He will show us where his glory is about to break forth. You know, the Red Sea opened for the Israelites and the Egyptians, didn't it? The Egyptians, though, were destroyed by it. And the Israelites were saved. <clears throat> Hebrews tells us that the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, how? By faith. By faith, the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. Why did the Egyptians get destroyed? They had no faith. That's not, they were destroyed. They weren't walking in out of faith. They were just barreling after. And it says uh, in Hebrews that, they, that the Israelites walked on sea, Red, across the Red Sea by faith, as if on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. This is how important it is to walk by faith. You need supernatural impartation so you can walk in the way of the miracle. That same path could destroy someone else who's not living by faith. What do I mean by that? The same disappointment that can lead one to have a miraculous infilling of the Holy Spirit and to find deeper life in Christ could be the same one that could turn someone away from the church. They'd walk away. Have you not seen people turn from God because they cannot wait to see God fulfill his promises? They can't wait there to see God fulfill his promise? Instead, full of unbelief, they say, he hasn't done it for me. That's exactly what the Egyptians could say if they're around to say it. They could say, he didn't do it for me. It crashed in on me. They had no faith. And faith certainly wasn't something the Israelites were stirring up on the, on the banks of the Red Sea. That was obvious. What was it? Faith is simply walking so close to God and so open to God. Then when a challenge is faced, you wait in expectancy to see how God will lead you. Faith isn't stirring up a solution in your mind that you're going to have faith for. Okay, God, I have faith that overnight you're going to blow open the Red Sea. They, they weren't in that place. They were in the place of saying, God, what are you going to do? And we're just going to be here and, and respond. What are you going to do? So you're right there. You're in dialogue with God, waiting for him to do what he's promised, that when he says, lift your staff, you know to risk it. I, risk my, I, I lift my staff. And because you believe that the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord and that, you're, that we are all far too small-minded even to imagine how God might do that, get us across the Red Sea, we can walk through a path that he makes, whether it's through walls of water, whether it's through deserts, whether it's through a thousand falling on your right hand and a thousand falling on your left hand, in God it will not come near you. Andrew Murray, again, says, God must, God will work continually. He ever does work continually, but the experience of it is hindered by unbelief. It's by faith that we enter into the work of God. It's by faith that we participate with God. And again, it's not conjuring up uh, something. It's just walking close to him and being open to him. I'm open to whatever you want to do, whatever you are doing. I may not experience the work of God if I'm not in God. 
That's where I live by faith. That's where I live in faith. Faith is a gift of God that's always held out to me. I access it because he says that faith is a gift. I access it simply by drawing near. Simply by drawing near. The prayer of faith is the prayer that is offered in complete confidence in God, that he will fulfill the vision. On the one hand, that complete confidence. On the other, complete humility that my prayers need purging so that I am truly invested in God's glory, not just my own. Spurgeon calls those unpurged prayers strange fire. Don't offer strange fire before the Lord. And how many of those prayers do we have? Prayers that will escape me looking like an idiot. You know, come through for me here, Lord, or I'm going to look really bad in this situation. Sometimes they're full of selfish ambition or envy, jealousy, avoidance of suffering. How many times are our prayers just an attempt to get out of suffering? And so we need our prayers purged. And that's what happens in prayer. That's why our prayers are important. They're not meaningless. It's because when we come to prayer, it's a dialogue with God. This is my desire. And I want your, the earth to be filled with your glory. And I want this ministry to be filled with your glory. I want to be filled with your glory. Where am I not in alignment with how you're going to do this, Lord, or what you want to do here in this place? Where am I not hearing you right? Prayer of faith is not me coming to God and with faith I've generated for a solution I think I should ask for. Sometimes God does bring a revelation. Oh, this is what should happen. And then you're empowered to ask for that in the Lord. Um, but that often comes as you're in prayer and in faith with the Lord, walking with him. C.S. Lewis described that shaking of God's head that we perceive as no that might instead be more a waving of the question, such as, you don't get it. (laughs) So instead of it being no, it's, you don't get it. So we stay in prayer in order to get it. We have to be living in openness to God because we do not know, um, except as we are connected to him, what choices to make. What places to go? When we're supposed to speak up? When we're supposed to be quiet? Um, What people to invest in? What sacrifices to make? So uh, as we're in faith and in prayer, and God says, now you can take the risk. But you have to be in prayer and in faith with the Lord to know when it's important to do that, and when to hold back. You know, actually, apart from faith, we have no idea which of our actions is really important and which isn't. We really don't. Some of our actions are so inconsequential, it really contributes nothing to the kingdom of God. Um, And they're often the ones that we don't even imagine have an impact that do. And I think God enjoys keeping us in the dark about this. But living by faith allows God to give the value on the desire, uh, um, what he desires of a certain moment in your lives. Um, You may think that the sermon that you preached was the most important action you could contribute to God's kingdom. It may be that God's decided to give the most value 
to the way you show kindness to someone who asked a stupid question. And how many times have we heard the stories of, I was so touched by that kindness. You know, I was so moved by the fact that they stopped and remembered my name or whatever. The Lord knows what to give value to. And I've reflected a lot because I think too much sometimes about how if I'm, if I'm aware of every action in my life and trying to think how it could have value um, and, 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 and the progressive value, like if I make this choice, how it would affect this and this and this and this and this. And the weight of that becomes so intolerable that you just, you can't even live because you think of how your actions can affect someone all the way down, you know, 20 years. That's why you walk in faith. The Lord decides what of those things have an impact and what don't. If you're just walking in love and and the communion of the Lord, he decides. We cannot scrutinize our every action, but we can walk in faith that God will use us and shape us as we walk with him. Um, Years ago, I was working in a restaurant. I was a college student. I was working in a restaurant, and um, I was just surrounded by just the world, you know, and all the craziness. Lots of precious single moms were trying to make a living, you know, you know, trying to escape their uncle that was running with a butcher knife. Or, I mean, it was just like one tale after another. And they would come to me for advice. It was crazy. I was like, I'm 19. I have no idea what to do. Um, but you know what touched them the most? I had a Bible study with them. We did all kinds of things. But what ministered to them the most was I had a really strong reaction once. And I thought, oh, now I've blown, I've blown my witness here. And I went around and I apologized to all of them. And you know what they said to me later? I've never had somebody apologize to me before. That was what made an impact on them. Not all the lessons I taught them in the Bible, but the fact that I was humble enough to apologize. Um, years ago, Dallas Willard was in town and... Um, I've loved his books. I've been ministered to by his books. And Stuart was an InterVarsity staff member, and he was offered to drive him to the airport. Oh, you know, that's so great. You get to drive to the airport with Dallas Willard. This is going to be amazing. And it was. I, I know it was. Stuart told me about it. But you know what impressed me the most about Dallas Willard is that when he got out of the car, he left $50 on the seat for Stuart. I mean... Here's a, a struggling inner varsity staff worker trying to raise funds with his wife. And here's Dallas. We were inconsequential. We were nobodies in his world. And here, he wanted to bless us. And that ministered to me more than almost any one of his books, was that generosity of spirit, that being able to look at somebody else and say, even though you know, in the world they may not be important, I want to bless them. This isn't say that we don't plan or strategize, of course. That's part of God's revelation of his vision to us, as Stuart talked about earlier. That we pray and ask God, not with the solution already in mind. Surprise us, Lord. Surprise me. Surprise me beyond what I could imagine. Expand my vision to match yours. Um, When you're waiting, maybe it's because you're trying to change something in me. You know, when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, He was praying for his own salvation. And God answered by saving the world. 
Perhaps this was to leave us with this example of pouring out our hearts before God with the prayers that we bring with full submission that what we're asking for is infinitely smaller than what God intends to do. You know, we pray for the deliverance from ISIS and Boko Haram and other terrorism, and God will deliver us. I believe that. Um, We must pray for this as we were taught, deliver us from evil. But does God wait because he's allowing the blood of the martyrs to be the flood that turns Muslims in mass to Jesus? Can we pray for that? Can we have a bigger vision to say, there's something you're doing in the world, Lord, that if we heard about it today, we wouldn't believe it. So let's pray that the blood of the martyrs will be the seeds of the church, as they always have been, and they will be in our day too. Um, I was in Brazil in November, and um, this says full. Did I run it out, Michael? Uh, that means card full, it says. So much wisdom. <laughs> no, I spoke too long, obviously. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me, I just wrote down. So. Maybe it was from the Lord, a message, full. <laughs> Um, I was in Brazil in November, and uh, this woman who had longed to go to Senegal as a missionary from the time she was 12 finally got there when she was 50. And she had waited, obviously, for many years. And she got there, and she had been there a while, and she was imprisoned for sharing the gospel and for taking orphans into her home and leading them to Christ. So she said that she got to... um, the prison, and it was horrifying. It was horrifying. She said there were rats everywhere. It was uh, filthy and disgusting. And this woman is a little powerhouse, you know, and she, she walked in. And she said, I couldn't sleep at night because of all the demonized people. She said they were just screaming and carrying on. She said it was just horrible. She said after several days of not sleeping and it's horrifying, she said, I said to the Lord, 15 days. That's how long I can live here. I can live here 15 days, Lord. Pray in faith that you're going to deliver me out of here in 15 days. And the Lord said, did you offer to be my missionary? She said, yes. Well, this is your new home. This is where I'm putting you. So she said she had to adjust to that new vision. That (laughs) this is my new home. Great. Uh, This is not what I signed up for. So the Lord gave her a a new faith. (laughs) She had faith maybe to pray she'd get out in 15 days, but that wasn't the faith God was calling on. He was saying, walk with me and I'll show you. And so she said she went into the cell that she was in with all these women, and she said, okay, guys, I just found out this is my new home. So we're going to make some changes here. And so she said she went around and she said, what can you contribute? You know, and so she said, I can teach you guys how to read and write in French. What can you do? And so this lady said, well, I crochet. Okay, we're going to learn how to crochet. And so they went around and figured out what each person could contribute. And she got the prison to give them yarn. 
And she said, I'll buy every pair of shoes that you uh, crochet. She said, I bought 100 pair before the time was up. But anyway, um, then she said it came to nighttime. And she said, how are we going to sleep? She said, I guess I'm just going to have to cast out demons. I mean, there's no other way to do this. <laughs> so she said, she stood up and she said, OK, guys, um, I can't sleep in here because there are presences of evil. And we're just going to send them out, okay? So she said, I just stood up there, and in the name of Jesus, I spent a while casting out demons. She said, by the end, they were gone. There was peace. And she described the next several months that she was in prison of people coming to the Lord and her discipling these women in this new home God had put her in and how they wept when she was delivered from the prison and, and came out. But... Stuart said, don't share that story. It's just too far out, Catherine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> I did not say that. You said, if I'm you have... I'm having experience right now. I'm sleeping instead of that, I didn't say. Oh, and I never have that experience. <laughs> I had to think of a way to get back at you. Anyway... I said, uh, and he said, well, you, you talk to the Lord about it. See if you should share it. So I guess I did. And then, anyway. Um, but that's... <laughs> but you see how if we get stuck in our own solution and what we need to have faith for, we could miss the vision that God has for us in the moment that we need to live into because that's where we're going to see the glory of the Lord, not in this thing that we're stuck in. And so we have to be released into, oh, this is the vision. And this is where we'll see the glory of the Lord. And so often you can follow that. You can see, oh, this is where the glory of the Lord is coming. I received an article in the mail a couple days ago from a friend of mine who knew I was doing this. And she said, you've got to read this. It was about a pastor friend of hers. Uh, who is sharing a story of something God had taught him about faith, and it really ministered to Stuart and to me. He said that he was in a ministry working a side job to make ends meet. Nobody knows about that either, right? Working a side job to make ends meet. And he lost his side job. And he and his wife were in debt, and they were going deeper into debt. And he came to the point of thinking he might need to give up the ministry because he just couldn't, it wasn't right to continue going into debt. This is a nationally known pastor, but this was in his early ministry. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you got me off there, Stuart. Um, the sender, uh, oh, sorry. So he came to the point of thinking he was going to have to give this up, and he got a letter in the mail. And the sender said that she was putting $425 in the mail for them. And his debts that he had totaled up that morning came to 415. So he said he just started shouting and rejoicing. And he said he went to the kitchen, he grabbed his wife, and he was spinning her around and just, isn't this amazing? And then he felt like God said to him, why are you waltzing around in joy? Is the check in your hand yet? He said, well, no, but, you know, this trustworthy lady said she'd put it in the mail. Why are you rejoicing over that so much? The Lord said to him, did I not promise to supply you all your needs? Am I not trustworthy? Is my word not as reliable as hers? Or are you joyful just because you see the evidence? 
So that faith is believing God's word in the moment, is saying, I do believe you'll supply all my needs according to your riches. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, I think it's interesting how he brings it even closer. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Even though you don't see why or how or how God's going to make this, how he's going to work this out, how he's going to bring the fulfillment of the vision, you can already start rejoicing with inexpressible joy because his glory will fill the earth and his glory will fill your home and your heart as you walk in faith. You can be confident that your own soul is safe in God, the salvation of your souls, the outcome of our faith, and your faith will not disappoint even if you cannot see what he's doing right now. So we must run with a vision clearly in our hearts. God fulfills his promises. We wait, allowing God's presence to shape us in the vision, and we walk by faith just in complete openness to God, never daring to cast suspicion on God. And where we do feel suspicion, we confess it. Obviously, we don't hide it when we have it. We just confess it. It's what I'm feeling. I know it's not aligned with God. Because he has only proven himself faithful, even when we are faithless. Amen. Amen. Yeah. 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 Lead us in a song of worship. Let's um, sort of have time for silence, uh, time for incredibly rich teaching, uh, move ourselves into those places of receiving. We're going to come up with the Holy Spirit now, uh, make ourselves available to whoever and however he wants to do. Uh, minister.